Welcome to the Jewelers Podcast, the podcast that talks to jewelers, retailers, and industry supporters about their experiences and insights into the jewelry industry. The Jewelers Podcast is part of the Jewelry Industry Network. Whether you're a jeweler, retailer, supplier, valuer, gemologist, teacher, or student, the Jewelry Industry Network is here to help you build your business in the jewelry industry. Join us today with a free membership at www.jewelryindustrynetwork.com. We can't wait to work with you. All right, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be today. Welcome to another episode of the Jewelers Podcast. You're here with myself, Brett Lowe, and my co-host, Laura Moore. Hello, how are you all today? Yeah, welcome to the podcast again. It's always great to be here with you via Zoom. Today, we're really fortunate to be joined with Jennifer Rollins from Refinery Row, whether you call her director, designer, the, the uh, head honcho, whatever she may be. But uh, good day, Jennifer. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous, but also pretty excited. So, yes. <laughs> uh, Jen, it's awesome to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining. I mean, you've been, um, you know, working with us and around us and we've loved you for so many years. So it's so lovely to be able to actually now interview you and talk to you about your business. Thank you. It's, uh, yeah, I've been around for a while, so it's nice to actually get to chat to you guys. Yeah, so I guess, I guess we should tell everyone, so you're in Western Australia. Um, so, so look, yeah, you have been around for, what, what is it, 18 years or something. So tell us about it. How, how did you get into the jewellery industry? Because you, you are a lot more than just a designer, which some of us may know you from Instagram. But, yeah, tell us more about your backstory. Um, so I've been in the industry a little while now. I guess uh, this year will be 20 years. Um, so that's gone really fast. But um, I actually started at the bench as an apprentice jeweller. So um, it was a bit of an accident as to how I came across it. I guess I had planned my last two years of school to probably go into architecture or drafting or building or something along those lines and um, was doing a drawing uh, unit or course and which is, I guess, tech graphics or what you would consider as elevation drawing. And I finished that pretty quickly and my teacher wasn't quite sure what to do with me so she basically kicked me out and told me to go and find something else to do. And I stumbled into the metalwork class and never left. So that's kind of my my story, I guess, how I stumbled across jewellery. And then um, went to, oh, enrolled in TAFE, got myself an apprenticeship, and then um, from the apprenticeship went to university and I did the jewellery design at Curtin University. Um, so it gave me really good design foundations and we spent a lot of time in the architecture building and model making and furniture making and sort of typography and colour theory. So I have quite a good foundation of design, but then I also have that bench experience, um, which really helps. Mm-hmm. That's, that's amazing. It's uh, Just on a side, do you ever go and do any furniture design or any other sort of design work since that's where you originally started? Um, I sometimes do a bit of random product design, but yes, I, I, there's, there's always designs in my head. There's just mm. enough time in the day to actually deal with what's happening. So. You, your, your business, um, Jen Refinery Row, um, isn't your sort of 
classic um, jewellery business, that you, as in you're not making jewellery on the bench necessarily. Tell us a bit about what you actually offer, because as a designer, you've got quite a suite of beautiful offerings. Yeah, so I guess I saw a little bit of a gap in the creative side of our industry. So I offer design and illustration, and I separate them very clearly because I have different clients for different services, but I offer the design, um, I guess, problem solving and design solutions to my clients. Um, and that may be, I guess, from a um, from a trade client point of view where they come to me and say, hey, I've got this client and we've got these stones that we're using in a remodel and I have absolutely no idea where to start. And then I have bigger clients that might be looking at designing an entire collection and then it's more about their brand and their direction. So design solutions, and then I also provide um, illustration services. So whether it's communicating those problems for my client or capturing their incredible artwork that they that they create in metal and they maybe want on their wall or a gift for the client. So I do, I guess it is quite loose and it is really relevant to my client and, and what they're after. So there's quite a few different levels of um, detail that's expected too, I imagine, from those different customers and clients of yours, whether it be the more simple drawings to the fully rendered angles of, you know, different angles, elevated angles of the designs as well. Definitely. Each client kind of comes with a different idea and and I, I guess I'm considered a bit of a, a ghost designer, so I just slot into their brand as best as I can. Um, so it might be yeah just communicating really what they need communicated um and everyone's a bit different which is really nice that I get to work with such a um, variety of clients and at different stages of production or at different stages of their business as well which is really nice what what it's interesting actually you're talking about like having to dive into their brand a bit and into their you know their psyche almost what's your process to do that because I know from a marketing perspective it's quite a full-on process to get into the depths of a brand that then you've got to create artwork or a campaign for um you know you've got to go into their language and their tone and how they would want to be communicated what their personality is do you have to do the same sort of process when coming up with a range of designs for a client yeah definitely I definitely ask a lot of questions and it, it eliminates those people that aren't serious straight away. I'm like, you know, I can't just mm-hmm. you a pair of earrings. I need to know what your brand values are, what your marketing is, what materials you're going to be using, what manufacturing process you're going to be using, what stones you've got, where you're sourcing them from, what your sort of ethical take on things are. You, you know, I definitely need to take all of that into account. And if they can send me through sort of, um, brand guidelines that makes my life a lot easier yeah other people I have to work a little bit harder and become a detective and try and work that out myself so, <laughs> um, but yeah I can't and it's a little bit people sort of say can't you just design me a pair of earrings and I'm like yeah but who are they for and what are you about and <laughs> yeah you know I need to meet I need to meet your expectations but I also need to meet your clients expectations so it's trying to tick as many boxes as I can so I'm not just designing something actually no one wants or is irrelevant. Mm, mm. What do you do with all the designs that you don't get approved? Do you put them somewhere safe to maybe whip out again? Um, I have a file. I probably 
not something you can whip out again, unfortunately, because <laughs> every client is so different. Um, so it's it's off. Most of my design work is really tailored to that client. So unfortunately, I've just got a pile of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's not that many that weren't approved. <laughs> No, it's sometimes it's um a, they're not quite sure of their direction, so it might just be sort of outlining a possible direction, and and generally I know which way they're going to head, but you kind of almost have to sometimes give that option for them to sort of know which way they're headed. So it's and it help it's a helpful process. Yeah, it's like you're investigating the story of why the piece is being made, and then other clients you're actually creating the story with them of of what this design is and, and what we want it to to say when they don't realize themselves what they want to say you're helping them create that story definitely and I think a lot of clients come to me and they they're not sure what their story even is or how to tell it so it is definitely trying to get to the bottom of who they are and then what story might be relevant to their brand and then helping them with how they might communicate that in a metal form um so really trying to get your head around what what really suits them and what hasn't been done before um, and what they're comfortable with as well what they sort of love because they often have to continue the journey onto the next stage so you really have to find that story that that they resonate with that they will excitedly sort of carry to the workshop or tell their marketing team about or so yeah it's, I guess I'm I'm definitely aware of the whole process where I can be to make sure that what I offer really fits in. And even if it's a small um, trade job that it's one client, I do try and get an idea of, okay, what are they wearing? How are they wearing it? How is my contribution going to sort of fit into their, you know, their jewellery box, I guess, as well. And do you find this more challenging in this modern world where you, you deal with customers both internationally and on, on either sides of the country as opposed to working with people locally, uh, is it more of a challenge working from a distance? Um, not really. I guess I've set up my business in a way that um, is really flexible and I love what I do and I just wanted to be able to do it in a way that um, I could be flexible about it. So technology has opened up that option for me whether I'm working with someone in LA or whether I'm working with someone around the corner um, and it means I can kind of do it when it suits and juggling a four-year-old and sort of that creative process can sometimes be a little bit tricky so for me that has made a world of difference and it's opened up who I can actually have as a client as well. Have you had any special, interesting kinds of clients in the past? Big brands, <laughs> names we need to be aware of. <laughs> you don't need to disclose too much information, but we are no. very interested to know, have you worked with some really cool brands in the past? I have. I've been really lucky enough to kind of slot in and I don't always know where designs are going to end up. So I guess I go into every job the same way. But I've been really lucky to see some jobs that have sort of started with a concept design and have gone into the workshop and then have maybe made it onto a red carpet <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> no names, I can't give names, but the idea that, you know, you can design something in little old Perth, um, 
you know, on, on a Friday while my little boy's at school and end up being worn on the red carpet is, is a very cool idea, but I don't ever go into a design saying, okay, this is where it's going to end up. It's, it's always kind of tailored to that client and, and it's really nice to see when it just pops up and you yeah, that's very cool. Very, very cool. It's, it's quite, um, I guess for me, I just, I quite enjoy the process. So I don't always really think about who it's for, but um, may, maybe I should start thinking about no, no. it. <laughs> no, you're right. Everyone's special. Yeah. So, so tell us, what excites you about working in the jewellery industry? You've been at it, as you said, 20 years now. Um, it's, it's obviously something you still really are passionate about and look forward to doing when you get the opportunities, when the, the little fellow's either asleep or at daycare or whatever it may be. So, so tell us about it. What, what keeps you going? Um, I think it's been just seeing pieces that are created and seeing the craftsmanship and the story that's behind them. I think um, when I first started, I guess you're, you're learning about everything and you're seeing, you know, incredible gemstones and sort of how things are formed where now I have a bit more understanding of that. And it's maybe a little bit hard to impress me with that sort of stuff. It is definitely the craftsmanship and the beautiful stories that people are telling and how creative people are behind the scenes. And I think that for me is really exciting to see. Um, often that piece that you look at and you sort of say, oh, what, what is that? And then you dive into it and it's maybe um, a bit of an unusual metal and they've just created something spectacular just through their story and, and the amazing work they do at the bench. So I think that's really nice to see. You must, um, I mean, I know that I find it really difficult to stay inspired when trying to be creative. And if your entire job is to be creative, how on earth do you continually come up with new designs and stay inspired? Oh, that's a bit of a tricky one. Um, in the last two years, I've actually outlined it a bit more. But I really love finding inspiration in the nothing moments or the sort of everyday mundane things that you kind of don't even think about or forget were a part of your day. And I think that has been really important for me to um, understand that and break down the process so that if I only have five minutes to sort of work out a direction, I can, and it's not reliant on my mood or whether I can go for a walk or not, because you do have your standard inspiration touch points where you might go for a walk or read a book or go to a museum or go to the beach but because like you say I have a few clients and I do have to do it all the time I do have to find ways that I can get around that and I have to be able to find inspiration sitting here at my desk with access to nothing so I've definitely focused on that and also the pandemic has made it quite interesting because some of those freedoms or um accessing sort of the outside world wasn't always an option so it has been yeah my process can be me just stopping myself and going okay you've got two seconds and you need to find something in that drawer or you need to just look at what's around you or even if you put me in a into a white room with absolutely nothing I still have to be able to do my job so yeah it, wow that's a challenge <laughs> yeah but I think wow. it's once you unlock that and once you can see the details in anything it's kind of a little bit of freedom because I'm not restricted and I don't have to be 
in a certain frame of mind to kind of click on, if that makes sense. It's just yeah. It's a great process that you're talking about too because, I mean, there are so many brands that do it so well where they've literally taken, you know, a single curve or a single line or something so simple in its shape or its colour and turned it into an entire range. It doesn't have to be, you know, like walking through Rome and getting the inspiration from the architecture. It can be something extremely simple and it can turn into a beautiful, very wearable range. Definitely. And I think that's when you you kind of hear their story a little bit more as well because it's not drowned out by the fact that it, you know, was inspired by Rome or, you know, that works if if that is the background. But if that's not your background and you sort of want to tell your story, you yeah, you shouldn't be limited, I guess. And, yeah, it is a very cool way of anyone using that process. And, uh, like, we go on your website and we see all, all the different uh, colored gemstones and diamonds that you you draw and you make uh, earrings of and whatnot like wearable art uh, of yours and but you also do it just for a bit of fun as well hey like you quite enjoy just drawing loose gemstones um, like I'm fortunate enough to have one framed in my um, in my lounge room so uh, but yeah like, so you do that for a bit of fun too hey just for relaxation yeah, I think I'm very flattered that you have one in your lounge room. <laughs> yeah, got an original, like signed and everything. I, I even kept the little card that you wrote on there with my name. Oh, this that's be, good. Yeah, that might be worth something one day. Yeah, the card that comes with it is lovely, actually. I, I thought that was nice too. Oh, well, I'm very flattered. Um, yeah, I guess that started from a little bit of a, a drawing exercise, but also made me realise how much just that drawing is a bit of a balance for me. Just that time out to stop and think and the to-do list disappears and it's just about um, putting pen to paper and what colours next and there's not really, it's definitely my quiet place. Mm. (laughs) Um, So it has helped and I'm really lucky that I get to do what I love and that what I guess is my quiet place and get to call it work. So (laughs) I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you have in your collection so right. i'll probably get another one before uh the day is done i'm um I like collecting <laughs> these sorts of things i am a jewelry nerd when it comes down to it do you hang up your own art jen do you have your own art around the house um not in the house I, i'm not sure why i haven't actually been able to um i don't know bring myself i, I have my studio is covered so my studio is covered in my experiments and my half done work and <laughs> it is something I'm working on because I don't think I ever thought of myself as an artist. So it's a little bit of a different mindset. So I think I'm getting there and it's something I'm working on, maybe offering some original artworks that are quite different, but um, it's, they're not in the house yet. I, I'm not sure why. I, I think it's pretty common. Um, so many jewelers feel like they have imposter syndrome as well. So, so I guess it's, it, it makes sense that you probably have a bit of that too, even on the design side of it, because it's, it's such an enormous trade and there's so many super talented people over generations and generations that we compare ourselves to. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's a reason, but look, as far as I'm concerned, you're up there, you're in my land room, so put one in your own. <laughs> I'm the best for Brett. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. I, support, I, I support local. I love Australia, mate, so all about it. Definitely is. Uh, sometimes I'm like, oh, is this? Was that me? Do I? <laughs> it's a little bit of imposter syndrome. Yes, definitely. And when you work 
own sometimes it's it's hard to <laughs> kind of get in that mindset you mentioned Jen doing obviously your study as a bench jeweler did you study to dr- learn how to draw and to, to do your illustrations as an apprentice I did a little bit of traditional gouache but not a lot there wasn't a lot of training what I do now is also in that I sort of what I use and how I approach it and the work I do is all definitely self-taught um, I don't really follow the traditional rules as to, I, I mix everything together and I do what feels right for the job and the piece and the client um, so it's definitely something I've I guess I've learned just because I was looking for a bit of a challenge as well and I also want to be able to communicate my design solutions as as much as I possibly can and at different levels so that I can kind of cover different clients so yeah definitely self-taught. Did you find I mean it's it's obviously challenging for jewelers to you know potentially um, to do the art themselves obviously to do the drawings themselves but probably even to come up with the ways to design as well as quite challenging. And I've spoken to you about this in the past in regards to that process of designing, you know, how important do you think it is for, for jewelers and for people who are designers to learn how to be designers? I think that's really important. And I get a lot of, I get a lot of questions that are asking me about how to do what I do. And it's often met with a bit of confusion when I sort of say, okay, it's not just one thing. I think there is a little bit of a grey area or a little bit of a miscommunication around what a jewellery designer is. Um, And I think that jewellers do it automatically because they problem solve, they understand the process, they understand the tools, they understand what they need to achieve and how they might achieve it. And then they're communicating that in metal. So they have a really clear idea. But as a jewellery designer, sometimes I'm a little bit on the outside of that. And I have had to work really hard to kind of prove that I fit and I do understand manufacturing and I do understand sourcing and quoting and the customer service side of it. So I think it's really important that a jewellery designer in our industry understands that it's more than just drawing a picture it's hearing your client and what they've got to say and then communicating that in a way that is physically possible um, where you're going to meet the client's expectations and you're going to be able to um, communicate what you need to the team and then the team is going to be able to make that piece and then the client is going to be happy. So it's really important to, I often reply to the messages and say, okay, well, yep, that's a great drawing course, but please also know that you do have to the customer service side and then understand what design solutions are available and also understand how they're going to be made and that way you sort of actually designing it's not just drawing a picture um Mm. yeah which which is a bit of a tricky sometimes I just get confusing (laughs) can very confuse people so they say oh I just 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 one course (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and I can see why sometimes it's a little bit of a a little bit of an issue for jewelers because it sometimes that whole process isn't taken into account and then sort of they're given a job and they have to somehow make it and sort of connect all those dots. So I'm, I'm very aware of how important the manufacturing process is in the design side of my job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if it's not drawn, as you say, to 
something that is easily manufacturable or able to be interpreted, um, it leaves rooms for the jeweler or you know, whoever's manufacturing it or turning it into a cat or whatever it is um, to interpret it incorrectly. Yeah. You, you end up with this you know, conundrum you know, of the, the customer not being happy with what they thought they were going to get and what they ended up receiving. But um, so, so a lot of people send you questions uh, about your skill level and, and what you do. So what's the future hold for you? Are you looking to give back some of that uh, skill to the, the wider audience? Yeah, I definitely, um, I'm trying to find a way, I guess, to help. Firstly, isn't sort of something you can access already. There are so many amazing drawing courses or, um, you know, that sort of initial manufacturing sort of course out there. So I get asked all the time about courses and can I help? Um, so that's definitely something that's been in the background, but I also want to do it in a really relevant way. And I know that jewellers are a little bit time poor sometimes and design isn't high on their <laughs> um, list and it is a big undertaking and it can be quite scary. So I'm currently working on a few different options as to sort of how to help with the design side of it and finding inspiration and then also communicating that, but in a really relevant way. So I do a little bit of tutoring, which I will have a bit more time for next year. But the feedback I often get is um, more so around, okay, you cut straight through the bull <laughs> and you <laughs> me where I needed to go and you showed me that I don't need a whole lot of stuff. If I just have these pencils, I can do the job. I just need to work out sort of those things that I can do that fit with how I work and what I'm working with to communicate. So, yeah, I'm trying to find a way to do it that that is really relevant. Mm. That's exciting. Well, you have to let us know when you've got that option available and then we'll announce it here first on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> I will let you know. Yes, please. <laughs> you might need some um, some test subjects as well along the way. So. <laughs> now, that's great. That's really exciting. Yeah, really exciting. I'm sure lots of people will take that up as an as an option because yeah, it's, it's it's a totally different mindset to be able to design. I'm I'd love to be a designer. I know how to use certain like graphic design tools, but I'm not. I can't design to save my life. So <laughs> yeah, knowing how to use a tool does not help you. <laughs> I bet you could, Laura. It's all in there. It's just <laughs> about know. the process, and I I kind of feel like you need to learn the rules to break the rules, and once you yeah, work, then you're free. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, Jen, what's one of the largest challenges that you've had in the industry? I mean, you've been in it for a really long time. Was it starting your business or finding your niche or, you know, what, what's one of the challenges that you've had to face and overcome? Um, I think there's definitely been challenges around the what a jewellery designer does in that, you know, you sometimes walk into a workshop or you sort of say, yep, I'm a jewellery designer, and, and there can be a little bit of a sort of... Um, funny connotation around that because there are no set guidelines for what a jewellery designer offers. Um, so sometimes it's been that, but it's definitely lately just been starting my own business and finding my place in the industry um, and then also having all of these business questions that I have a pretty good understanding of the industry and how that all works. But then when it comes to sort of that back of house and the legal side of it or you know that's been really difficult for me um 
and often I kind of look around and I'm like, who can I ask? <laughs> How does that work? You know, the people are either going to think I'm crazy or, you know, it's not, not necessarily, I'm not necessarily sort of that massive um, fit in the industry. Um, well, there's not one person that I can see that does exactly what I do. So it has a little bit tricky to navigate that side of things, but I also love that I am not really following a direct path either. So, yeah, there's pros and cons, I guess. To- yeah, you're carving your own way, but, yeah, that does come with challenges for sure. Yeah. And, and, and you do a lot of traditional uh, techniques with your designing we see a lot of it internationally not a great deal in Australia yet but hopefully that'll continue to grow with people like yourself uh, you know fanning the flame have you updated with any I shouldn't update it's probably not the right word but have you adapted with any of the, the more recent technologies like things like procreate do you use those sort of programs as well or, you, or do you prefer the old um, paper and pencil um, I definitely prefer the old paper and pencil I think there's something that happens when me anyway, when I connect my hand to the paper, and my head kind of then communicates what it needs to. I love that. And I also, for me, it's really quick. Like it is way less time for me to draw you a picture than it is for me to open my computer and um, get into CAD. So <laughs> that's just, for me, it, it's um, a more of a natural way of doing that, but I have spent some time in CAD and understanding how Rhino works and sort of, I guess, how I can communicate with that tool. It's not something I lean towards, I guess, but again, it's probably all about practice. Um, And then from a technology general point of view, it's opened up my client base. It means that I can chat to someone who's sitting in LA in the middle of the night here. (laughs) So... It's definitely helped me. And I think if a jeweler can make procreate work for them, then all I'm all for it. It's anything we can add to our design toolbox is awesome. And we should definitely take advantage, learn how to use it, and then make our own way and tell our own story and make it work for us. Yeah, there's no rules, is there? It's what whatever feels natural and works for you. Definitely. It's jewelry. It has to be different yeah. and artistic and <laughs> and I think that's where when clients come to me, it's a, it's a really helpful way of eliminating their competition because they're not sort of designing what the person next door is designing. They're kind of just designing what's really relevant to them. So it almost gets rid of that competition mentality sometimes, um, which I think can be really helpful and way less cookie cutter. But, um, yeah, it also depends on the client. Some clients walk in the door and it, retail clients walk in the door and they have a specific idea in mind. But I'm seeing really cool designs come out because I think people are more aware of what can be done and they're not necessarily falling into that trap of I need to have a six-core solitaire. Um, They are open to that freeform and interesting gemstones and interesting metals and, and not having that really uniform look overall. It's a really good point too, Jen, that like if you are true to your brand's ethos and you design from the heart and when you're considering, you know, your customer and your own, you know, brand personality, you do eliminate the competition because nobody can think and design like you can or like somebody, you know, everybody's got their own unique design format. 
So there's no way you can be in competition with somebody else. Definitely. And when I explain that to my client and then they work through and they make those choices, you can almost see the moment they just get really excited because they know that on mm. and they know that it's theirs. And you can kind of almost see that moment where they just click and then they're like, great, I, marketing, this is all sorted. And you know, <laughs> I can't wait to see it out of the workshop. You can just see that moment where it all just falls into place. And I have a lot of clients that will just send me briefs and just say, just go for it. Because <laughs> they, they, it's sometimes what they don't have to deal with, but they just want that, um, I guess, that solution that they can carry and, and communicate who they are. Mm-hmm. Very yeah, cool. Yeah, you, I guess they understand that you get their personality and you get their brand, so you speak their language and it comes out in the designs that you send back to them. Definitely try to. And it, it yeah. is very much about um, a communication. If they don't give me anything, I sometimes have to turn into a detective. Mm. <laughs> if they give me everything, it's a lot easier and I can give them options that really fit. For all of our young budding designers out there, what would be the first task that you would set them when teaching them how to, how to learn how to design? I think finding a point of inspiration is just just something, anything to start with. And then once you have something to start with, you can work through your process. And then as questions arise or as you, know, you need to start working through your, um, you know, the way something might articulate, you've got something to refer back to and you've got something to help you work those questions out. So definitely the design side of it is first Firstly, the most important thing because everything comes from that. And then I would definitely say to have some understanding of manufacturing and how you're going to carry that design out and then find a way that you can communicate what you're trying to say and what your solution is. And then, yeah, I think understanding the big picture is definitely. So start off and uh, get your foot in the door somewhere then get as as well-rounded as you can be. Knock on, knock on a few doors and um, look over some jeweler's shoulders or wherever you can get in. It's all good knowledge. Definitely. And I think I'm I'm sort of have always been open to an opportunity, even if it's a really strange left field opportunity. Um, I have a story. I don't know whether you want me to tell it or whether it will be any use for you guys. It's a little bit. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> go for it. Um, so I had this really incredible design job and it was in when the global financial crisis happened um, and it was the ultimate design job, it was pink diamonds, blue diamonds, 20 mil pearls, a walk-in vault, just spent days drawing on high-end pieces that went all over the world. And then the global financial crisis happened and I lost my job along with 90% of the staff. And I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I got a temping job working for a community outreach non-for-profit so totally extreme opposite and one of the things I learned there my job ended up being working with law enforcement and corrections and one of the things I learned there was this negotiation technique that they use to do their job it's called verbal judo very um, left field but it was something that sort of I guess once the dust settles in the industry came back to life I went back to jewelry And I took this technique back and dealing with customers is so much easier (laughs) with this really random 
technique that I now have. So it's whether it's getting information out of a, a trade client or whether it's a retail client, it was that random opportunity that I didn't expect that I feel like has really helped me um, get where I need to go in the jewelry industry. So that's, for me, it's always seeing everything as an opportunity. Wow. So what's it called? Verbal judo. Yes, verbal judo. And how, how do you do verbal judo? <laughs> <laughs> I need to know. It's kind of, a, <laughs> I guess, a way of explaining what you need to happen <laughs> and doing it in a way that, you know, they don't feel like, their opinion or what they want is taken out of it but it's just explaining and guiding them through a process and most of the time you eliminate that crazy retail client that comes in sort of quite quickly without it escalating so it's yeah it's just a way of navigating sort of through a conflict situation Um, but yeah definitely useful in retail. Wow good can we google it? Definitely google it. Okay google it guys. (laughs) Sounds very helpful. Thanks, Jen. That's okay. <laughs> Random fact for the day. But you're right, though. Like, if, you know, every every opportunity, whether it's a good opportunity or a bad opportunity, that you can take something out of it. You can learn something out of it every single time. So it's a re- that's a really good point because, um, yeah, I think especially with the pandemic and things have been tough and great, but, you know, we sort of do need to remind ourselves all the time that there are ways of um, benefiting from all the experiences that we go through. Yeah, Definitely. That's definitely where I've kind of come from and that's what my collection is after 20 years. <laughs> All right, so you've taught us about ver- verbal judo. <laughs> is that what it's called, verbal judo? Yep, verbal yeah, okay. judo. All right, so you've taught us today about verbal judo and you've given us a bit of a rundown on uh, your take on jewellery design. So where do you see the, the industry going and uh, what's for the future of the Australian jewellery industry? Oh, I think that's a bit tricky. That's a big question. It's a heavy question. <laughs> heavy question towards the end. End on a heavy question. <laughs> um, I think that there's been a little bit of a shift and it's definitely a little bit more about customization and people understanding the whole process. And it's environmental as well and that people are sort of looking at the sustainable side and the ethical side and all of that. So I think businesses are a little bit more open or they have to be a little bit more open to survive. And I think that also is about storytelling as well. I think people are realising how important it is to be unique in that it's their story and and what they're telling. So I think the industry is maybe not so commercial or maybe it's, I don't know, maybe people have a little bit more room to move now because you do have that sort of, the social media side where people can see into their businesses a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe I've got that totally wrong, but <laughs> my opinion of what I see happening. Um, yeah, I think I think you're right. Like personalization is huge, and the the focus on handmade has been a big shift. So yeah, I th- yeah, I definitely think there's people are seeing the craftsmanship that goes into a piece, and they're valuing that a little bit more maybe than they used to. Yeah. Yeah, the custom made certainly come back from what I can see. I'm always going to be biased because that's where I fit in the industry, but it's um, it certainly seems to be powering along since COVID, that's for sure. Yeah. And what's next for Jen and Refinery Row that we should be keeping an eye out for, other than your classes and courses, which we will be the first to release? <laughs> what, else is, what else is next for you? Um, it's a little bit of a tricky one. I guess I started Refinery 
through with the idea of there being always being multiple kind of offerings. And I do get, I do understand that creatively I do get bored a little bit. So I have never had a really clear sort of idea of only providing certain services. So I do definitely want to help creatively. Um, and I also, I'm working at the moment on a little bit more of the jewellery side and creating pieces that people can see from start to finish um, from me, I guess. And then also some artwork. And next year I'll have a bit more time so I'll be able to do a little bit more tutoring and things like that. So I don't actually know exactly, but <laughs> I, um, I'm, I'm quite open to, I guess, carrying on how I am but also being a little bit loose in, in where I'm heading. Open to opportunity, as you say. Learn some more verbal judo or who knows. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Should be a Anything mind like master. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jen, thank you so much for joining us on the Jewelers podcast today. It was an absolute pleasure to chat to you about yourself and Refinery Row and um, and designing as a as a jewelry designer. Thank you for being on our on our show and we'll hopefully catch up with you another time really soon. Yeah, it's great to have you on, Jen. And uh, I'm sure we'll speak to you again in the future as the refinery row continues forward and pushes forward and uh, opens up some new doors to the rest of the industry. So, uh, yeah, until next time, we'll speak to you then. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Please hit subscribe to the Jewelers podcast so that you don't miss our next episode. You can get in touch with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just search for Jewelers podcast. See you next time.